You're listening to the best morning routine ever podcast, the show that proves no one stumbles upon success ever. With your host, Lou Need. Every Mondays and Thursdays, we deliver cold heart evidence behind the power of a robust morning routine. Get ready to be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Hello, morning enthusiasts. Welcome to the best morning routine ever podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lunid, and today I have the pleasure, the honor of introducing a very special guest to the show, Kimberly Spencer. Kimberly is a certified high performance coach, best selling author, health junkie, freedom lover, uh, wife, mama, and you know, just super, super optimistic. And we need that in this world. We need this in our life, right? And so today we're going to talk about body image issues. We're going to talk about how she helps our client um, deal with those as well. So with no further ado, Kimberly, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Dr. Lunit. It's it's an honor to be here with you and to chat with your audience. I'm super excited. Yeah, it's such a pleasure having you on board. What got you started? I love a hero's journey, right? So let's start with your why. Like, what got you into this field of work? So I've I've always been a high performer, but for me, high performance always in the past, high performance always came at the expense of something else. And so what got me into creating Crown Yourself was really once I'd healed my relationship with my body and I overcame a 10-year battle with bulimia with no psychological or medical intervention, once I'd overcome the stuff with my relationship, because for me, the patterns that I had from bulimia just repeated themselves in a different form, which was in my relationships until I met my amazing husband. And then the same patterns repeated again in business. So it was this consistent issue with sacrifice instead of holistic success Mm -hmm. and bulimia and overcoming that was really what got me started of seeing how much of what we want is really and what we don't want is really in our minds and in our patterns and in how we approach and take those next steps those next Mm -hmm. right steps instead of the steps that we're conditioned to take based off of uh you know our circumstances growing up or or whatnot and so once I'd felt and found what holistic success felt like, I was like, I have to, I have to serve others with this. Yeah. I, I like that. You said that we're conditioned, right? So it sounds like it's deeper than just your daily thinking. It's subconscious. It's deep rooted. It is like even uh, a diagnosis as bulimia and anorexia, right? There's something triggering that behavior you're saying. Yeah. And for me, the bulimia was the manifestation of me suppressing my emotions, hiding them under this veil of perfectionism, and then eventually them exploding out of me. And for me, there it was my way of controlling my circumstances because I, I grew up in a home with an addict. And when you're in that environment, it's very unpredictable. Mm -hmm. And I saw my parents and I modeled my parents, their escapism, their avoidance and repression and suppression of their emotions. My mom would just avoid them. My dad would literally escape with them with drugs and alcohol. And I was eight, nine, 10 years old with big feelings being, being told, oh, you're so dramatic or, Mm -hmm. oh, you know, oh, you know, what you're seeing is not really what you're seeing. Like I would call out my dad when he was drunk and my mom, no, he's not. He's just, you know, had, he's just, 
use a lot of mouthwash today. And so I was in a way gaslit for what I believed. I was taught to that what I saw felt and just knew in my body was wrong. And mm-hmm. so if that was wrong, I modeled that with bulimia. So it wasn't, it wasn't a, an addiction like my dad, but it was, it was an addiction for 10 years of struggling with figuring out my body of, and having to rebuild the trust and relationship that I had with my body. And that was a huge piece was mm-hmm. learning how to trust myself again. And that's probably the number one thing I work with my clients on is learning how to trust their body, learning how to trust their intuition. Cause our, our bodies are just, they, they are run by our unconscious minds. Right. And because they're run by our unconscious minds, if we have conditioned ourselves to believe that we can't trust our body, then we've also conditioned ourselves to believe we can't trust our unconscious mind, which our unconscious mind runs 95% of the the show, studies show. So, you know, when we try to willpower and force it and, oh, it's just New Year's resolutions, I'm going to, you know, set a new resolution, I'm going to do things differently. That's why the average resolution lasts seven days is because people try to willpower their way through unconscious patterns, habits, values, attitudes, and emotions that you got to work with the unconscious on that, not just not just on conscious surface habitual level. Right. You a lot to unpack there because if you are beating the same drum or you can try at it until you're blue in the face until the work is done is what I'm hearing from you. Unconsciously, the deep rooted impact, then you will not achieve that New Year's resolution that you're talking about or that goal. Right. Yeah. And it, it takes a lot of courage because the one of the prime directives of the unconscious mind is to repress negative emotions and experiences until it's ready for you to process. So our unconscious mind does this almost escapism mechanism naturally in order to protect us because it loves us. And especially if you've experienced some sort of like childhood trauma, like I definitely had growing up, then it's repressing and suppressing memories. You're not physically, you're like your actual physical neurology is not yet ready to deal with. And that's what my, my body was conditioned. Oh, I'm not ready to deal with these big emotions. And I had, it's kind of like when you, it, when you shake up a soda, like Mm -hmm. you shake it up. And if, if you, if you completely blow the lid off of it, it's going to just explode everywhere versus you have to like carefully let a little bit of air out at a time in order for it to just kind of like breathe Mm -hmm. to get the, the actual body reconditioned to be experiencing emotions, to be experiencing intuition again, to, to be able to have that connection with their body. Yeah. You almost got to burp it, right? You got to burp the baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) To let it out easy. How has that affect, um, how does it affect body image issues? What we see, it's very interesting when I see my clients, when they struggle to receive a compliment, when they struggle to look at themselves in the mirror and really, truly love themselves. And because our unconscious mind runs the bodies and because our unconscious mind is the domain of the emotions, when we have all these negative emotions inside of us of anger, fear, guilt, shame, um, sadness from, from all of the, I like to think of negative emotions kind of like a Jenga set. Like if you're ever familiar mm-hmm. with that, where 
each incidence of experiencing that emotion is like one of the blocks on the Jenga set. And you just, you just keep stacking them up throughout your life until, unless you use a process, like with my clients, I use a process called timeline therapy and hypnosis to be able to topple that initial Jenga set so that it's not so crippling when you experience those emotions again. So for example, I like to, I like to give the example of, have you ever had an experience where you had an emotion and you're like, wow, that's a bigger emotion than like, it was almost like looking at yourself from an omniscient perspective. And you're like, that's a bigger reaction than probably was warranted for this situation. Like I'm surprised at all those emotions. That means the soda can has been like, Mm -hmm. you've you've shooken the bottle quite substantially. And so the bottle is like, you got to learn how to process those emotions in a healthy way. So there's a great process that's in the book, the 15 commitments of conscious leadership, which is one of my favorites that the second commitment of conscious leadership is feeling your feelings. And in that book, the process details that when you feel a feeling, a feeling is a biological response. It's statistically shown that a feeling lasts for 90 seconds. But what happens is, is when we've been conditioned to fear the feelings that we have, those normal human emotions that we experience on a daily basis, when we've been conditioned to repress, suppress, and escape from those big feelings, especially like anger or shame, then we won't fully let the feeling biologically released through our bodies. Mm -hmm. And thus, because it's not biologically, physically releasing through our neurology, it gets stuck. And where does it get stuck? It gets stuck in our bodies. And so being able to know how to process and fully allow for the full 90 seconds of feeling that feeling, recognizing that that's just your biological hardwiring. There's nothing wrong with feeling anger, sadness, feel guilt, shame, as long as you experience it in a safe and healthy environment. So I like to think of the feeling as you feel the feeling, you recognize where am I feeling this in my body? What does the feeling physically feel like somatically? So not like so often when we feel a feeling, we feel it with all the judgment of our mind passing judgment on like, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Oh, Mm -hmm. this is wrong. I shouldn't express it. I, you know, and all the conditioning of, of childhood or whatever it was that you experienced for me, it was big emotions. Like anger was like, Oh, I shouldn't be feeling that I should feel shame that I'm feeling that. So what happens is, is then you stack up the feelings. And so then one day when you look at yourself in the mirror and you suddenly feel a feeling and you feel an negative emotion because it's stuck inside your body and you look at yourself in your eyes and suddenly you're projecting all of that negative emotions onto your own reflection and that's how it affects your body image yeah and that's what you are referring to how those behaviors all come from the mind it's what we're thinking it's what we're processing or not processing we're not processing exactly yeah that'll come in out uh, a lot of the times and we don't we want to be able to, to release that but you know, after years of things built up, it's hard. Yeah, it it definitely takes, it takes time. It takes grace. It takes patience. And you are literally relearning and rewiring years, if not decades of 
conditioning and programming that so often it's very easy to blame ourselves for, but many of these this programming was built before we were even conscious of it being programming. And so being able for us to be compassionate that, you know, we may, it may not have been our fault, whatever happened in our childhood, but it is our responsibility as adults and as conscious leaders to be responsible for our own healing. Yeah. Why would we bother? You know, because, you know, the mind is also, it creates those habits to protect Mm -hmm. us, right? It creates those, those funnels, those channels to protect us. And so a lot of the time it's like pulling teeth at first. And so it's a lot easier for us to say, I'm not going to be bothered with this. I'm not even going to try. Why would it behoove us to go ahead and undergo this work? Well, I love the question, Lunid, because it's so common to have a secondary gain and a secondary benefit to just holding on to it. Because in some way it served us. So for example, with a lot of clients, I'll work with the belief around, I can't trust myself. And so why would they bother wanting to trust themselves? Mm -hmm. Well, if after enough times of wanting to trust themselves, wanting to make good decisions, and then seeing, you know, making a good decision. And then it's kind of like, if you've been noticing a pattern in your life, like you take two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. That's a sign that there is an unconscious pattern that's probably rooted in fear. That's probably rooted in some negative, that has some negative emotions associated with it. That yeah, it served you to a point, Because you've been able to probably have some success moving two steps forward and then one step back. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, do you want to continue that pattern? Like, wouldn't it just be forward to take two steps forward and then take two more steps forward Mm -hmm. and then take two more steps forward rather than needing to consistently rely on that, that similar pattern. And so secondary gains come up all the time with, unconscious patterns. Like for example, I had one client, beautiful woman, super successful. She had a great career and she just had 70 pounds that was not going to go away. Like she was like, it came out of nowhere within the span of nine months. Suddenly she had 70 pounds and she'd been through some things with her former relationship And as we dug in, I literally, I said, you know, you're doing everything right. I see your food journals. I see your exercise journals. Like I know that was back also when I was training in Pilates as well. And so I knew she was also exercising properly. Like she was also getting her nervous system back into regulation with doing Mm -hmm. yoga and Pilates and parasympathetic breathing. And I said, "I, I see you doing everything technically, quote unquote, right. So I said, then I got to ask your unconscious mind, why don't you want to lose the weight? Because everything else, you're doing all the right habits, but that's not where the actual transformation happens. And I really respect her because she sat with that question for a second. She's at first, she was resistant. She's like, what do you mean? I'm doing all this work. I'm paying all this money. Like, I want want to, I want this to, to go away. And I said, just sit with the question. Like, what is the benefit of you holding on to that extra weight? And I said, you're beautiful, 70 pounds heavier. Your, your body doesn't 100% love the fact that you have those that extra weight. It's putting pressure on your joints. It's putting pressure on your organs. Like, so there's not, it's not really serving the, one of the other prime directives of your unconscious mind, which is to protect and preserve your body. So 
what's the benefit that it's getting from holding on to it? And she just allowed herself to sit with the question. And that's a huge piece of Mm -hmm. really allowing yourself to sit with the question because so often our egos are going to want to jump in and be like, what are you talking about? Like, screw you. Like, why don't I want to do it? But if you really sit with the question, it allows your unconscious mind to go to work at the unraveling. And she sat with the question and she said, well, I guess in a way by being this weight, I don't have to wear like jeans. And that's nice. Like I can wear my, you know, spandex Lululemons to work every day. And that's fun. And I said, okay, that that's a benefit. I said, what else? Why else? She said, well, I don't, that means if I'm wearing the spandex, she goes, I don't really like have to put any much effort into how I look. And so because she didn't have to put much effort into how she looks, she also felt like she wasn't getting the male attention. And ultimately it came down to the fact that she was holding on to the extra weight because it actually made her feel safe because she'd gotten out of a, a very emotionally abusive relationship. She wanted to find the love of her life, but she just was not, she was feeling unsure. She was feeling untrusting of distrusting of men. And so she didn't really want the attention and yeah. subconsciously, not consciously, consciously, we don't want to have 70 extra pounds on us, right. but unconsciously, that extra weight was keeping her safe. And typically it's one of the three Trojan horses that I found in anything, which are the secondary gains of either safety and Mm -hmm. that safety can also be construed as familiarity. So that this is, this is exactly why women and men who are in domestic abusive relationships will stay in domestic abusive relationships. It's very hard for people to leave statistically. Why? Because it's safe and it's familiar. Like it may not be physically safe. Like, yes, they may have experiences of abuse. And definitely if you are experiencing anything that is reminiscent of domestic abuse, please seek out help. Mm -hmm. And it's familiar if you're like, you're because your unconscious mind is wired to survive. And so if your mind goes, oh, I can survive in this. I can survive in this crazy addict environment. I can survive. Like, I know how to survive in this. I don't know how to survive in a stable, loving, compassionate relationship. I don't know how to survive. It's fears the unknown. So even if the unknown is something that's possibly positive or good, it fears it because it doesn't know it. Then the other Trojan horse is control. And this one was mine, was for me with bulimia, it provided me a modicum of control so that I could feel like I was in control of something. In in the craziness of growing up in an in a home with an addict, and then thirdly, the third one is acknowledgement. And the Trojan horse of acknowledgement looks like this: Oh, I look so fat in this dress. Oh my god, girl, no, you don't. You look so (laughs) amazing. Oh no, you don't look fat at all. And so, by saying that negative thing, even if it's technically true, like even if you're scientifically overweight, by saying that negative thing, if you're getting positive reinforcement, it can prevent you from wanting to lose that extra weight or heal. Like I had one client who came to me because she had really bad back pain. And when we got down to the root cause of really what the root cause of the back pain was, she had thrown her back out because her not because, but she'd thrown her back out. And in the situation, it then allowed her partner to step up. Mm. And 
by her partner stepping up, she no longer had to feel like she was doing everything with their business, with their family. And so she was actually able to feel supported. And so once we got to the root cause, then she had a courageous conversation with her partner about her actual fears of no longer having the pain because she was so scared to let go of that pattern of back pain that had come on where she had suddenly had an experience where suddenly she was being very supported and very well taken care of and not having to micromanage anything. And surprise, surprise, the back pain continued to persist. And then after she had the conversation with her husband, it eventually, he eventually recognized that he wasn't playing as supportive of a role. She eventually realized that she wasn't asking for help. (laughs) which didn't allow him to then ask, play that supportive role, which he wanted to play. And so when she started to ask for help, then suddenly unconsciously the back pain started to go away. Look at that. Look at that. And it really takes the guidance to dive deep into that, to find out what the root cause is, right? It's not as surface level as we, one can imagine. And so I'm curious, um, Kimberly, uh, do you share, once you get your clients to that space, do you share routines and habits that they have to do to stay in that mental state? Yeah, many, many of them frequently is the awareness and acknowledgement of like, sometimes the thing is not really the thing. So like with my client with the weight, the weight wasn't, it wasn't about the weight. It was about safety. And like Mm -hmm. with my client with her back pain, it wasn't about the back pain. And it's hard with pain because pain can feel so prominent and so persistent. And it's very easy in a society that is very conditioned to accept pain medication that, oh, it's, it's just about the pain. And that's, yeah. that's the surface thing. And it's very easy to grab onto that because it's very physical and tangible. Yeah. And our unconscious mind runs our bodies. And so there, there's some great work out there by Dr. John Sarno called Healing Back uh, in a book that he wrote called Healing Back Pain that's been transformative for many of my clients' back pain. And I highly recommend it. But yeah. recognizing and looking at what is being able to really ask yourself if I am getting a benefit out of this experience, what would that benefit be? Like, what is that extra gain that I get from the weight? What is, and for me with bulimia, the gain that I got was control. And I had to start learning how to then control, control the conditioning that I conditioned myself with, which was the binging and purging and look at, well, exploring what emotions were coming up. And instead of trying to control my emotions, maybe it wasn't control that I was seeking. Maybe it was actually seeking expression. And that was what I had to learn was how to safely, effectively express my emotions. And so to go back to the process that I was, that I touched on, once you recognize somatically where you're feeling the feelings in your body and you recognize somatically, what is the feeling doing in your body? Like, is it churning? Is it punching? Is it buzzing? Is it tingling? Is it like feeling like wash over you? Then attach a sound and a movement to physically release 
it out of your body. This could be screaming into a pillow. I've had more than one occasion a client scream into a pillow. It could be stomping your feet. I had one client who it, the feeling of frustration was really coming through her body. And this wasn't even about her body. It was about a business situation. But because she was processing, because we process emotions unconsciously, she was processing this emotion and the feeling of frustration that she was having in her business was from a root cause from her not feeling like she was able to speak up when she was like three years old against her mother and wasn't able to have a temper tantrum. So it was like, it was literally, she started to stop. And then I said, wow, it seems like you need to have a temper tantrum. And she's like, I was never allowed to have a temper tantrum as a child. Yeah. And so the, her unconscious mind brought something up for its healing because that's where it was supposed to that's where it needed. It was finally like, I'm ready to release this. And so it takes a lot of courage though, to accept that gift when your unconscious mind brings it up. Because so often we're like, I don't want to look at that. I don't want to see that. I I don't want to, I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to revisit that. And it was funny to give you a very recent example. So we should, right? Because at the end of that is breakthrough. At the end of that is that liberation that we're looking for. And that can be applied you know, for our audiences, like business-wise. Mm-hmm. Getting, oh, yeah. Getting that breakthrough. Because the, if you don't grow, your business won't grow. You can make that correlation. And that mental, that subconscious growth is necessary so that you can better process the daily activities, the front work of not just your business, but family life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you're, especially if, for the entrepreneurs in the audience, your business is so often a direct reflection of who you are and of what you got going on inside. And... I think that the two greatest paths of personal development are one is parenting and two is being being an entrepreneur because both will show you a reflection of yourself, your patterns, your habits, your things, your values, some of which you don't want to look at. It'll Mm -hmm. bring up all your stuff. Yeah. And if you are conscious and choose to allow it to transform you because it is a choice then you will have not only the breakthrough, but you will see have total transformation as to who your business and becoming a parent allows you to become. It's and I think that's, it's, it's, it's phenomenal. And yeah. let's and, talk about your morning routine. Um, yeah. What are those habits? Well, how do you get up, dress up and show up? Oh, my morning routine has shifted recently. My morning routine is very relaxed I get to be woken up by two very smiley, adorable children <laughs> who bring so much joy. And then I typically um, uh, will get one downstairs, get him a bottle and get make a cup of coffee, give him his bottle while I read a book. And then when he's done with his bottle, he's normally off to go play with his brother. I'm able to get a little bit more reading done if he's choosing to not stand on the table um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and climb up onto the table. I used to be very, very strict about my routine. And I have allowed that for different seasons of my life, my morning routine has evolved. I used to be very much wake up 5.30 a.m. or 5 a.m., 4.30 a.m., get some work done, do my Pilates, then the kids get uh, get up. And 
recently, I would say in the past like two to three months, last year was an incredibly challenging year. I lost three, three family members, including my dad and moved countries with, with two children. Um, and so I've allowed myself a bit of grace and ease in my mornings and it's Mm -hmm. felt really, really good so far. And I've actually allowed for my nighttime routine to be push to do what I used to do in the morning, like getting some deep work done. Get, I just find I'm very inspired by the night right now. And I, mm-hmm. I allow for the evolution of what my body tells me is my best routine to be that. And right now Smart. that's, that is my space of, it's not a really heavy regimented routine. It's very much in a flow of joy with my kids. Cause when you see two kids wake up, Versus how most adults are conditioned to wake up of like, oh God, you know, here's mm-hmm. Thursday. And meanwhile, you have like this smiling baby who's like, looks you in the face like, hey, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready. And you're like, whoa, what a, what a mirror that I can then model. Like I can, my children can, are some of my greatest teachers and they wake up with such joy that I'm like, I want to be in that. I don't want to be in this like push force, like I'm going to wake up and grind. Like I prefer to right now be in a space of just enjoying the wake up time with my kids and and play and having some play in my morning rather than having it be a a really hardcore discipline space. I've I've done, I've done both and both Mm -hmm. work at different seasons. And right now I'm in a season where I like the play. And that's having grace, allowing yourself to be in the season that you're in and actually explore what will work, what's necessary, what's needed for for that time of your life. So thank you for sharing that. And morning routines can change seasonal. When I got pregnant, my morning routine was out of the window and I had to learn to modify it. And so I'm sure when when baby gets here, it's going to be totally different. And so I, I love that you shared with us, kids wake up with that enthusiasm, that passion for life on a daily basis and that we we can mirror that we can actually our passion will wake us up that way too which once yeah. we find it once we do the deep work right once we get yeah. it all all done we can actually get to that level so i appreciate you sharing um tell us how can we connect with you where can we find you if you like this conversation and you just want to connect on a deeper level, then definitely head on over to crownyourself.com and just click the button that says work with me. And I'd be more than happy to have a conversation with you. And then if you want to jump into our community, you can jump into our free community on Facebook and I'm active in there. And lastly, if you like podcasts like this that are about deconstructing all those subconscious beliefs that may be holding you back or finding some new beliefs that can push you forward and pull you forward, then check out our podcast, The Princess and the Bee. Excellent. Thank you for sharing, Kimberly. It's been a pleasure having you on board. Thank you for joining us this morning. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. All right, morning enthusiasts. That's it for today's show. Thank you for tuning in. If you love the best morning routine ever podcast, we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes or Google Play. While you're at it, tell a friend about the show. Be sure to visit bestmorningroutineever.com and our Facebook group to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic free bonus content. Until next time.